0: So we've been doing uh, this series on the book of James, and we've looked at trials and temptations, and then we've looked at the importance of the Word of God in our lives. We've then nailed favoritism, making sure that that doesn't exist. Then when we talked about faith in deeds, that faith without works is dead, that it's not faith or works, it's both together. We've got to have a faith, and then we've got to have good deeds that go with that. And then last week we did Taming the Tongue. How many people were excited about that one? How many people this week got a little bit tamer in their tongues? We did this thing at the start of the year on night school where they challenged us for for a month, four weeks I think it was, to not have any negativity come out of our mouths. I think I lasted about eight days and uh, before I said something negative. And um, we really got to get our hearts transformed. How many people know that from last week. If you weren't here last week, I encourage you to listen to the message because the way that we tame our tongue is not by watching what we say, but letting God transform our hearts. Yeah. And if I look at anything in the book of James, all the way through the book of James so far, it's really all been about heart transformation. It's not about being thinking right, doing right, acting right. It's about a transformation of the heart, leads to a transformed life. A right heart leads to right actions, right words, right everything. It's always the heart with James. And so this morning as we start hitting on an area that I know I need, and I'm sure some of you need too, is James now moves on to talking about wisdom. How many people here need a little bit of wisdom? Yeah. I need a whole heap of wisdom. I have some good characteristics, but not a lot. And so um, I need wisdom. And the thing is, is that the wisdom that James talks about is a wisdom that I don't think we really understand nor talk about. Because we need wisdom to live our lives. We need wisdom around our lives to make good decisions. But the wisdom that James talks about and the wisdom that I'm going to talk about today is it's not a wisdom that you get from knowledge. It's not a wisdom that you get from intellect. It's a different kind of wisdom. In fact, the Hebrew word for wisdom means skilled for living. The literal word in the Hebrew means skilled for living. In other words, wisdom is a skill for living, to be able to live your life, to be able to do your life, to be able to make the right decisions, be able to go in the right direction. Some wisdom is teachable. Like I could get up here this morning, I could teach you some things on wisdom, like here's a bit of wisdom for you just to help you out, tell your wife you love her every day at least once. See, a bit slow there, ladies. It's a little bit of wisdom. If you don't tell her every day, guess what? You're gonna have trouble. Um, here's a little bit of wisdom to help you out. Um, don't, don't try and when, when your petrol light set comes on don't think you've got another 100 kilometers up your sleeve. It's a little bit of wisdom. Fill up your tank. You know, like a little bit of wisdom. If you eat McDonald's every day, breakfast, lunch and dinner, a little bit of wisdom, it's not good for you. So there's some wisdom that are teachable, and, and I could today spend my whole time telling you about those, and you could go home and you could try this and that because I told you, but here's the thing. Christianity is not about instruction. Christianity is actually about transformation. Christianity is not about... Being a better new you, becoming an improved you because you worked on this and you tried harder and you read some things and you implemented them in your lives, Christianity is a transformed life. And what I mean by that is that God transformed you to such a degree that you don't even recognize yourself anymore that you respond to things in a way that you never believed that you could. That in fact, if people who knew you then met you now, they wouldn't recognize you because you're completely and totally different. Some of you before you met Christ were violent alcoholics and now you're the most, most amicable teddy bear loving person that you'd ever meet and if people knew your story they'll let no that's not you that doesn't compute that doesn't mix you're completely different the person that, that can't have been you I remember sitting around in a circle with with a bunch of our youth leaders years ago before I was pastoring here and I was, I was running youth at Manikau New Life and and we're sitting there and this girl Shelly starts to share her story of 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 what she was like before she met Christ. And I'm sitting there going, no. Because that wasn't Shelly. God had so transformed her that you wouldn't recognize, if you knew her then, you wouldn't recognize her now. And some of you, if you think about what you were like, to who you are you wouldn't recognize yourself. It's a transformation that God does. See, God doesn't make you and me better than everybody else. God makes you and me better than me. Come on, you need to get that into your head this, today. Being a Christian doesn't make you better than anyone else. God makes you better than yourself. It's not about you being better than the person next to you, in front of you, behind you. It's about you being better you. God transforms you to make you a better you. And today, the wisdom that we're going to talk about is not a head wisdom, but it's a heart wisdom. It's a wisdom that needs to be written on our hearts, principles that are written on our hearts. It's not a wisdom developed by skills, it's a wisdom that God gives you. And wisdom is why you can go through the same thing. Some people, we all went through the same thing last year with COVID, and some people reacted one way. And some people reacted another way. We all go through difficult times in life and difficult seasons in life. And some people react and you look at them and go, how are you responding like that when you're going through that? Can I suggest to you that sometimes the reason why people respond differently to you through the different things or the same thing, kind of thing that you're going through is because there's a wisdom that they have that you don't have. Wisdom is so important because wisdom gives us the mind of God for every situation we face. And James starts off with this. In James 3.13, he says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility, that comes from wisdom. In other words, he's saying that people that are wise and understanding, they have a good life. Their life looks good, and the way that they prove that they have a good life is that they do good deeds for those people around them, with humility and wisdom. So you can turn around and say, oh, I'm really wise, but if you don't then go and do good deeds for those around you, you're not wise. Not biblically. You might be smart, but you're not wise. Are you hearing me today? And then he goes on a little bit further and he says, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. In other words, James is saying, if you don't have godly wisdom, then you're operating in the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of the world, it's not spiritual. It's emotional. It might be mental, but it's not spiritual. Real wisdom that comes from above is a spiritual thing. It's wisdom. And in fact, he says that he goes this far because James is so placid and doesn't really say how he feels about things. He turns around and says, if you're just operating by earthly knowledge and earthly thinking and earthly kind, then it's just plain demonic. How many people are glad that James isn't the pastor of this church? And then he goes on and he says, people that operate like this, this is what happens for them. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder in every evil practice. In other words, what he's saying is that if you do it the world's way, you're going to end up with a life that's just full of disorder. Full of disorder. We all face things in life that we don't know how to respond to or what to do. We all need wisdom. Amen? And James says in chapter 1, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should what? should be on the screen. It's pretty hard to read. Ask God, yeah, who gives what generously. To all, without finding a fault, and it will be given to you. So, in other words, he's saying that we have the ability to draw on a heavenly source of wisdom that will teach us all the things that we didn't know. And, and the cool thing is, is that God gives us wisdom without finding fault. So He's not deciding on the wisdom that he's going to give you based on your behavior or based on your decision or based on your past or based currently on what you're doing. It's not about how you are behaving. It's like if you ask for it, I'll give it to you. He's not looking for a track record. He's not holding your past against you. The Bible says that if we lack wisdom, he gives it generously to those who ask of it. And I don't know about you, but I need wisdom imprinted on my heart a skill for living on my heart that comes from above, not from my head. James goes on, he says this in verse 17, and this is where we're going to get the most of what we're talking about this morning out of. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. How many you want wisdom from heaven? But wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. And then there's this weird little bit he puts on the end, and we're going to explain this to you right at the end. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And so James points out here six things that wisdom that comes from above is, and the first one is this, the wise have a pure heart. The wise have a pure heart. He says, first a pure heart. In other words, that's the first thing. You can't have the next five if you don't have that. First of all, pure. If you don't have the pure part, you can't get the rest of the part. First of all, pure. If you can't get this, you can't get the next. Why? Because everything stems from the heart you have to have a heart that you've allowed God to purify. Now, the problem that we have in the church world is we think purification is perfection, but purification is not perfection. Purification is an attitude. Purification is a process. Purification is what what happens when we have this attitude that says, hey, God, I, I don't want to live this way i don't want to do it this way i want to be more like you i want to be more like how you want me to be purification is actually an attitude purity is an attitude that's why king david after he stuffed up in sin cried out create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me he understood that the starting point was a pure heart titus 1:15 says this everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupt. And what this scripture is actually talking about here in Titus is it's actually talking about the process of salvation. That when God touches your life, what he does is he purifies your heart so much that he turns you into a person who actually has a love for the good things of God. That when God transforms you, when God purifies you, that's why in 1 John 5 3 it says, Loving God means keeping his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. So, what happens when God gets hold of your life is keeping his commands go from being a burden to being a desire. It's not hard to keep his commands because I now have a desire because my heart has been purified by him. I have a desire to live that way. I have a desire to do good. I have a desire to do what he says. His commands aren't burdensome. It's not hard to keep the commands. It's not hard to follow what he says because I have a desire to follow what he says. God does a transformation in our hearts. So powerful that his commands go from being a burden to being a desire. And we have a desire. So Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5:8. He said this. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? They'll see God. A pure heart is the place to begin. So if we want to understand what a pure heart is, we've got to kind of understand what an impure heart is. If we want to understand what it looks like to live with a pure heart, we've got to understand what it is to have an impure heart. Yes? Hello? Hello? When something is impure, it has contaminants in it. So gold that has been purified is because the contaminants have been removed and it is now pure. For example, never in my wildest dreams did I think 15 years ago or 20 years ago that we would be happy as the human race to pay 5 or $6 for a bottle of water. Why do we love bottled water? Because it's gone through a filtering process that removes all the foreign particles and so we end up with pure water. And I'm telling you, water that has been purified tastes a whole lot better than water that just comes out of a tap. Yes? Can I get out? Oh, you're so quiet with me today. The question is this. The question is this. God, are there any contaminants in me is there anything that's am i allowing any impurities into my life come on these are the questions we're got to ask ourselves god should i be watching this or should i be listening to this or should i be doing this you know james goes on into chapter four and we don't have the verse here but but we'll probably hit on it next week a little bit maybe not But he goes on in verse 4 and he says, you adulterous generation. Now, we've got to remember the book of James is written to Christians, not to the non-Christian, but to Christians. Adulterous generation is quite a strong word and we can quite easily get offended by it. But really, what is an adulterer? An adulterer is somebody who loves someone but has a little bit on the side. Someone with a pure heart doesn't have a little bit of something on the side. Oh, I love God, but i got this little bit of the world on the side. I know it's getting tough in the room right now. I didn't say it. James said it. (laughs) I'm not telling you what you should or shouldn't watch or what you should listen to. You have a Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and He's the one that convicts. I'm just saying we should ask the question. That actually reminds me of a story that I heard, or an illustration that I heard about this, this boy, he was about 13 years of age, and um, he wanted to watch an R16 movie with his friends, and so he goes to his mum, and his mum didn't really like him watching anything like that, and and he goes to his mum, 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 Mom. can my friends come over and, and watch this movie? I know it's an R16, I know you're not okay with that, but you know, all my friends have already seen it anyway, so can I, can I just watch it? There's just, just a little bit of swearing in it, and there's just a little bit of skin in it, you know, only a little bit, can I watch it? And the mother goes, yeah, no problem, no problem. You, you invite your friends over, and I'll tell you what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll bake you a batch of your favorite chocolate brownies that you can eat with your friends while you're watching me. Oh, mum, would you? That's just amazing. Yep, no problem, son. So the friends come over, they start watching the movie, and mum's mixing up the brownie batter, and then she kind of leaves the brownie batter on the bench, and she walks into the backyard, and she finds something that their little pet dog had left behind on the grass. And she just gets a little bit of the poo, walks back into the kitchen, puts it into the batter, and just mixes it up just a little bit. Mixes it up, cooks the brownies, Takes them into. Hey, I've cooked your brownies, and the kids are like, "Oh, so awesome!" Hey, just just so you know, I just I just put just a little bit. You probably won't even taste it. You probably won't even know it's there. It's just a little bit of the dog poo in the brownies. Just a little bit. Of course, the boys didn't eat anything because how many people know that a little poo goes a long way. But I want to say this to you, a little poo in your life goes a long way too. Jesus said, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Come on, a little bit will go a long way. What impurities, what contaminants are we allowing into our heart? Come on, we've got to ask ourselves these questions. We have to because if we don't have a pure heart, we can't get the rest. Those with a pure heart will see their God. Now, I'm not asking for perfection. I'm just saying let's make sure that we're constantly in a process where we're making sure that we're checking ourselves and filtering out the foreign particles that may contaminate our hearts. Here's what he says, James says in, in 4, eight he says, "'Come close to God, and God will come close to you. "'Wash your hands, you sinners. "'Purify your hearts.'" For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. In other words, he's saying, hey, God will reconcile us. God will come to us. If you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. There'll be a reconciliation that takes place. In fact, James earlier in chapter four says this, that if you are friends of the world, then you're an enemy of God. So how much of the world am I allowing in my life it's a question we have to ask ourselves. And I think we should ask it more often if we're going to be wise. The wise are pure in heart too. the wise love peace. The wise love peace. It says peace loving. The wise are pure in heart first and peace loving. The wise love peace. They don't love contention. They love peace. I think... Today, we, we live in a society, society that treats arguing as a sport. I, I, I don't watch the news anymore because I just got sick of this is what This is what they call news now. I can get somebody that has this view over here, and then we're going to get another person that has a complete opposite view over here, and then we're going to have this kind of mediator in the middle that's going to let them fight on national TV over whose idea is the best. And that's news. No, it's dumb. And the thing I hate about it the most is one person could be arguing a point and you're like, that makes complete sense. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. But they won't, They won't. even when they get caught out that what they're suggesting is dumb, they still hold to it. That's news. Just arguing, and it's called news. We live in a world that's just become so argumentative. Oh, what a beautiful... you post on Facebook. Oh, what a beautiful blue flower. It's not blue. It's it's purple. No, it's not, it's blue. It's, blue. it's blue. Who cares? We live in a world that's just become so argumentative, and I think it's even got into the church. Oh, the church should be doing this. No, oh, it shouldn't. Should be doing this. Oh, it so how about we just do what we're meant to do as Christians? First of all, let's get us a pure heart and let's be peace-loving. Yeah. How about we do what we're meant to do and not worry about what the church should do? You can't be wise, according to James, and argue. Love to argue. The wisdom that comes from heaven loves peace. You don't believe me? Listen to this. James 1.20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Proverbs 14, 9. A wise man controls his temper. He knows that anger causes mistakes. Proverbs 20, verse 3. It's the mark of good character to avert quarrels, but fools love to pick fights. Can I just say this? If you're an argumentative person, stop it! Don't get involved. It's not wise. A wee while ago, I had an email fly to me in the office. Somebody was upset, and I tried to respond as nice as I could, but that response just got an even an angrier response, and so I just didn't respond. I just ignored it because I'm not going to get involved. I refuse to have an argument. Happy to sit down and talk to you in person, but I'm not emailing you backward and forward like a flipping yo-yo. The problem with emails is you'll interpret it based on your mood at the time. Stop it. Don't get involved. I'm all for conflict resolution. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for conflict resolution. But the thing is, you have to realise something. Some conflict can't be resolved because conflict resolution requires two people to want to resolve it. And some people just don't want to. They're not prepared to sit down. And so I just don't get involved in it. Why? Because conflict cannot continue without my participation. Conflict can't continue without my participation, so just move away from it. Wise people don't engage in the fight. They love peace. The next thing is, is that the wise consider it. It says that they're considerate. Wise people consider it. I look that up, and you know what that means? It means consider it. I get paid to do that. Means considerate. In other words, they don't assume they always know what is right. The first thing James says when we started this whole message was, he said, "Who is wise and understanding among you?" The wise consider it. They they make it an attempt to understand. Wisdom and understanding cannot be separated. You have to understand. Sometimes you just got to ask someone. Can you explain to me why you feel that way? Because their story might help you to understand why they think like that. And it may be a horrendous story. And instead of you turning on, you're thinking it's dumb and stupid, and you're not wise. Maybe what they need is somebody just to hear their story. They can then show compassion and go, "Man, that's tough." That's hard. I completely understand why you would react that way based on your past experiences. They're considerate. I don't know about you, but I wish we lived in a world where people can just say, hey, man, la, hey, ups to you. I've just never thought of it that way. How much better would our lives be if in politics we had members of parliament go, you know what, you're right. That's a great idea. I think we'll do that. How much better would our workplaces be? How much better would our marriages be? How much better would our communities be if we actually just considered it? The Apostle Paul in Romans, is there's a fight going on between two groups of people and and, and one of them has a really, really strong opinion about what it should be. And the other one's not too sure about it. And so there's this argument going on. And Paul steps himself into the middle of it to try and um, help it out and try and resolve the fact that one has a really strong belief and the other one not so strong. And listen to what he says in Romans 15one to 3. He says, we who are strong must be considerate. Of those who are sensitive about things like this, we must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. Be considerate. The wise are pure in heart. The wise are peace loving. And the wise consider and seek to understand. The fourth thing is, according to James, is that the wise are willing to yield. It's a word submissive there, but it's a really bad translation from the Greek. It's not a great word to use, because the Greek translation literally means to yield. In other words, it means, hey, you're right. Sorry, is that new for some of you? (laughs) You're right, I was... (laughs) Mistaken. Proverbs twelve fifteen says this fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. Come on, th- these are not these are not head stuff, this is heart stuff. Pure, peace loving, considerate, willing to yield. Those are heart things. And so we have to ask this question: Am I reasonable? Can I be reasoned with? Because if you can, it's a mark of wisdom. If you can't be reasoned with, the Bible would say that you're a fool because you think your own way is right and there's more than one way to skin a cat. I know because there was a book that came out, 60 Ways to Skin a Cat. Not very good, but there's 60 different ways. I'm just joking. Number five. And I love this one. The wise minimize the mistakes of others. Wisdom from above is full of mercy. Full of mercy. Full of mercy. You know what you did was really, really dumb, but I'm going to forgive you for it. I'm actually going to give you another chance. I'm going to lift you off the hook for that. I'm going to give you another chance to get it right Wise people are full of mercy. I'm gonna let that go. I'm gonna let that go. Reminds me of a song, Let It Go, Let It Go. I'll do my recordings later. But, 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 Craig, you don't know, Craig, Craig, they did it a second time. Yep, let it go. They did it a third time, let it go. They, they did it a fourth time. Well, if they did it a fourth time, then this time you should let it go. Are you getting the picture? Like, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. If that doesn't convince you, maybe James in chapter 2 will. He says, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom Because listen to this, judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In other words, the level that you hold people to is the level that God's going to hold you to. The level that you judge others is the standard that you're asking God to judge you. So just let it go. People are allowed to make mistakes. People are allowed to get things wrong. I found in just about all circumstances where somebody has done something that's upset me, probably in 90% of those circumstances, the heart intention was right. Just how they did it was really bad. But their hearts were in the right place. So just let it go. Let it go. The wise are full of mercy. When in doubt, forgive them. Why? I love this statement. I'd rather stand before God having loved too much than having judged too harshly. I'd rather stand before God having loved too much than having judged too harshly. I don't know about you, but God could judge us so harshly. But I tell you what, I think he loves us way too much. Way too much. You know, it's a little bit like there's this grandma sitting with her her grandchild, and, and they were celebrating, her grandmother was celebrating 60 years of marriage. And, and the grandchild said to the grandmother, Grandma, how come you've been so successful in your marriage? Like, what, what's the key to 60 years of a, of a happy marriage? And the grandmother said to her, um, what, what I did is that when I married your grandpa, I made a list of 10 things that he does that really ticks me off. And I decided that those 10 things I would just forgive him for. And so the the granddaughter says, what, what were the list of 10 things? She goes, well, honestly, I forgot to make the list. So every time he did something that ticked me off, I just said, you're lucky that's on the list. A little bit of wisdom from a grandma, yes? Your life would be so much easier There would be no disorder if you could just learn to minimize the mistakes of others. In other words, don't rub it in, rub it out. Don't rub it in, rub it out. Just let it go. Don't rub it in, rub it out. So you have to ask yourself, what do I need to stop bringing up? Well, 10 years ago, let it go. Previous pastor Let it go. Stop bringing it up. We don't live in our past. We keep our eyes fixed on the author and the finisher of our faith. Come on. Let it go. The wise are full of mercy. And last, the wise are authentic. Are authentic. It says here, impartial and sincere. Both of these words in the Greek come from the word hypocrite. And and the problem is is that because of our English language, we're so poor around these things. But hypocrite is not just a word in the context of history. A hypocrite was an actor in the Greek theater. And in the Greek theater in those days, I'm sure Evie will support me in this, You didn't have a different actor for every single role. You would have like 12 roles and maybe three actors. And what the actors would do on stage is I'd have masks. And uh, they'll put up that mask and they'll be Johnny. And then they'll step over here and they'll put up this mask and they're Veronica. And then they'll be Johnny. And then Veronica. And Johnny. And Veronica. And they would just, they had different masks for the different characters they played. And the Bible is saying, hey, don't be like that. Don't wear masks over your heart. Be impartial. Be sincere. Don't cover up with masks about what's going on and around your heart. It's saying here, you cannot be wise and hide things At the same time, and this is why being in a small group is so vitally, vitally important for you, because in that small group, you're going to find someone who is wise and of integrity that you can trust, that you can take the mask off your heart and say, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm having issues with that. I'm struggling with that. And then you can be impartial and you can be sincere and you can stop hiding and you can take off your mask. And the Bible says that that's wise. And so my question for you is, what are you hiding? What am I hiding? Can I just get the musicians and singers to come? so he says these six things is what wisdom from heaven looks like, pure of heart, peace-loving. You can tell me the third one because I just about forgot. Consider it, yes? Minim- willing to yield, minimizing the mistakes of others and being authentic. So my question is this, Cool, James, thanks for telling us what wise people look like, what wisdom from heaven looks like. But why does God want us to be wise? Well, the reason God wants us to be wise is in James 3.18, that little verse at the end that seems to be really weird considering the rest. Peacemakers who sow in peace Reap a harvest of righteousness. Peacemakers who sow in peace harvest a righteousness. So I'm trying to understand why God wants us to be wise. And so I decide to look up the word peacemaker. Peacemaker in the Greek, I don't think you'll believe this when I tell you. You can look it up yourself, but peacemaker in this verse in the Greek means this, a bringer of national tranquility. A bringer of national tranquility. God wants you to be wise so that you can walk out of this place and be a sower of peace into the world around us. Because we live in a world that needs peace. And your response and the way that you sow peace will cause others to go, hey, wow, you're going through the same thing as me, but you're responding really differently. What is that? And then you know what you do? You sow it. You don't keep it to yourself, but you sow it. Peacemakers bringers of national tranquility, sow peace, and they reap a harvest of righteousness. Can I encourage you that as you leave this place today, leave as a wise person, not just in your head, but with it written on your heart, that you can go out of here as agents of change, sowing peace in a world around us that needs peace because the result of you and I living a wise life is that we sow peace and we become agents of national tranquility and we become the blessing that the world is looking for because we're sowing peace. We're sowing in peace. We're sowing in peace and the harvest of that in our communities and in our families and in our church and in our world is a harvest of righteousness, of people living right, doing right, talking right, being right with Him. That is why God wants us to be wise, not so we can walk around and go, hey, look how wise I am, but that we can be bringers of tranquility into a world that needs peace. That's why he wants us to be wise. The church of the living God is meant to be a place filled with peace sowers. Peace sowers. But I want to come back to what James said. First and foremost, that it all starts with a pure heart. One that's not contaminated. Or is going through the process of purification. And I don't know everybody in this room, and even those that I do know, I don't know everything about what's going on in your world. But I think we have to ask ourselves a question this morning. Am I letting a little bit of something in my heart that I shouldn't let in my heart? Do I need to get my heart right with him today? Why don't you all close your eyes?